We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am incredibly excited to be officially launching uh, the Pack-A-Day podcast today. Again, this is our first official episode. Uh, For those of you who have been following along, uh, we've been doing a few kind of practice episodes uh, to kind of do a soft launch with things. Uh, We've done a a whole list of positional preview episodes that are available uh, on our podcast websites and wherever you find podcasts. Uh, But today is our very first official daily podcast, episode one. Uh, We are going to be doing 365 days a year. Obviously, Pack a Day is the title of the podcast. And again, today, I'm just incredibly excited to be officially launching this uh, to coincide with the very first day of Packers training camp. We've got an incredible team that is set up to be able to provide you this content all year long. Uh, First of all, myself, for those of you who are not familiar with me, my name is Andy Herman. Um, I'm a writer for cheeseheadtv.com. You can find me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Obviously, follow us on Twitter as well at Packaday Podcast. Um, I've been writing for Cheesehead TV for about a year. I've been writing for the uh, about the Packers for uh, a much longer time than that. 
Um, I have uh, recently done kind of some radio spots, both here on 107.5 The Fan in Green Bay. I've also done a little bit of work with John Papadopoulos in the lacrosse area on ESPN Lacrosse on the sports lead. Um, and then really recently, I, I had the opportunity to launch this podcast. Uh, and when I when I first had the idea, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. I thought maybe we'd have about five individual people that would do one podcast a day, uh, Monday through Friday, and, and we'd try to get through the year with just that group. When I put the offer out there for people that were interested in joining the podcast, I was absolutely overwhelmed uh, with about 200 candidates who, who wanted to be a part of this. It was an incredibly difficult uh, decision and, and job getting down uh, to the 20 people that will be working with me to provide this content to you day in and day out. I, I can't wait for you guys to be able to hear uh, all of these great podcasters. Uh, one of my visions with this, especially once I got the applicants that I did, was really to be able to provide uh, these people uh, a way to get their names out there and provide the content uh, to you guys that they were capable of providing. Uh, the people that have joined the team, I am so incredibly impressed with their work. I absolutely love their positional previews. And that was just their, their first time working together. So uh, their podcasts are going to be absolutely amazing this year. We have some very unique groupings. Uh, there's just going to be a great variety uh, in the group as a whole. And I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know some of these people in the podcast they are going to provide to you uh, every single day of the year. I mean, that's really my vision. Uh, you know, you guys are going to be able to listen to this podcast. It's going to be approximately about 20 minutes a day, uh, every day of the week, including Sundays, including holidays, including the weekends, whatever it may be, 365 days a year. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep providing this amazing content. And we really hope that you guys enjoy listening along. If you have feedback for us, if you want to provide questions, if you want to provide something that you'd like us to provide content on, uh, you can email us at packadaypodcast at gmail.com uh, with your ideas. And, and again, make sure to follow us on Twitter as well uh, at packadaypodcast. You can direct message us any ideas that you have, anything that you'd like us to cover. Uh, we really want to make this as interactive as possible as well. To kind of introduce you to the team uh, just a little bit, or the teams, I should say, and the people that are going to be providing you this content. Um, I'm just going to break down the teams really quickly. Um, I will be working this year with Dusty Evely. Uh, that's one of the teams that you'll see working together. We did the tight end positional preview uh, that you can check out right now. Uh, Zach Jacobson and Matt Matonic are also going to be working together. Jacob Morley and Ross Uglum, Mark Eckel and Jake Turner, Andrew Murtag and Kyle Fellows, Mike Wentland and Tyler Grezegorek, Steve Perhock, Josh Zirkel and Trevor Jossart. Matt Freilich and Janelle Mackey, uh, Daniel Kotnick and Chris Schimmel, as well as Nick Schmitz and Jacob Westendorf. And if you guys haven't had a chance uh, to obviously interact or, or follow these people on Twitter, listen to some of the work that they've put out. Again, I think you're really going to be impressed by the, the quality and the effort that they're going to be putting in day in and day out to provide you guys with this incredible content. I, I cannot be more pleased with the level of uh, quality that they've been able to produce and with the level of people uh, that are joining me with this podcast. Uh, as I mentioned to all of them, I might be the one that's kind of organizing everything that kind of put this whole thing together, uh, but it's really all 21 of us as a group that are going to be working together as a team. We make decisions as a team. Um, and my hope for them is that they go on eventually to even bigger and better things, that this is a launching pad for all of their careers. And, uh, and then we'll find new uh, amazing people that 
uh, can bring you more content from that point going forward. So welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm so excited to have all the team members that I have. So excited to have you guys listening. So join us, follow us. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, TuneIn, Overcast, as well as Stitcher. Eventually, we're going to be on Spotify. We're going to post every single day around 8 p.m. on Cheesehead TV as well. So you'll be able to find the podcast there. Um, Every day, the podcast will be posted in the morning. Again, it's going to be about a 20-minute podcast every single day. Uh, So feel free to to listen on your breaks, your lunch hour, to or from work, whatever is easiest for you. You're going to get in, get out, get a quick hot take from us, get your up-to-date Packers news, rumors, hot topics, et cetera. And then you'll be able to get to, to the next one the very next day. So that's our vision. We're excited to be able to provide it to you. And we hope you enjoy listening this year. Uh, with that, uh, I'm going to really jump into my topic today. Um, my topic today is going to be the best and worst moves of the offseason uh, for the Packers. Obviously, it's an incredibly busy offseason. Uh, not certainly every offseason where you change GMs, uh, coordinators on both sides sides of the football. Um, In the Packers case, uh, a top 20 pick, which is very, very rare, very aggressive in free agency for the first time in a very long time. So this is a a very different uh, offseason for what Packer fans are used to. And and I'm going to break down what I thought were the five best and five worst moves of this offseason. I'm going to start off with the five worst. Um, I'm going to start off here with the very first one being the loss of the top front office personnel. Now, this was going to happen when you were deciding between Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith and uh, and Brian Gutekunst and and all the other candidates that were available. um, You were undoubtedly going to lose some of your top end talent that ultimately didn't get the position. And that was obviously the case. Uh, They lost Elliot Wolf. They lost Alonzo Highsmith. And they also lost uh, one of their better scouts in Alonzo Dotson to the Jets as well. Um, Both Wolf and Highsmith, of course, uh, exited for the Browns organization. But overall, I I thought this was a little bit disappointing to to lose the two Alonzos specifically, uh, both Highsmith and Dotson. You know, obviously, Alonzo Dotson was not in line for the GM position. Um, Alonzo Highsmith was, but I don't think he was ever one of the top candidates for the position. So for him to move uh, basically laterally uh, to the Browns organization, uh, I thought was a little bit disappointing to lose Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, and Alonzo Dotson uh, all in one offseason. That's going to be something that hurts the Packers. The Packers have already lost some really key personnel, even in, I know it's been a little while now, but when you start losing people like John Dorsey and John Schneider and Reggie McKenzie in a relatively short period of time, and now couple that with Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, Alonzo Dotson, and to an extent, Ted Thompson, I know he's on as an advisor, but you got to think that his role is, um, definitely lessened to a large extent, and you got to believe that uh, his time is just kind of dwindling down now. That's a lot of of scouting prowess to lose in, in a short period of time. So something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, my fourth uh, worst uh, offseason move uh, was the Demarius Randall Deshaun Kaiser trade. Now, there's things I actually like about this trade. First of all, being able to move up in the fourth and the fifth round uh, gave the Packers the flexibility to make some deals. Um, I was impressed uh, that they were able to move around on draft day. I think had they maybe not had that th- those top picks in the fourth and fifth round, um, maybe they wouldn't have been uh, so eager to trade away their third round pick to go up and get Jair Alexander. So uh, it definitely brought some good things. And, and Deshaun Kaiser certainly has some ability. Um, also, I think you can make the argument that it was Demarius Randall's time to go. He had 
uh, by all reports, been a little bit of a locker room cancer. He was certainly inconsistent. Uh, but at the surface level, uh, Demarius Randall was the best corner on this team last year. Uh, he, he's coming off actually a, a pretty solid season. Uh, they were kind of playing him out of position. Cleveland plans to play him at safety now that he's moving uh, on to a different team. And Deshaun Kaiser, to me, is somebody that's always going to be a little bit of fool's gold. I think if Green Bay is looking for a major upgrade from Brett Hundley to Deshaun Kaiser, from a talent standpoint, I think they got it. Um, from a ultimate wins-loss standpoint, if all of a sudden Rodgers goes down and now either Kaiser or Hundley uh, has to go in in a pinch, uh, I'm not sure that they've really uh, moved the needle all that much. Kaiser has a ton of arm talent. He's a he's an incredibly talented uh, quarterback, uh, but he's inconsistent. Uh, I had the opportunity to watch him a little bit uh, when Aaron Rodgers was out in minicamp, uh, when it was the Veterans Day off. Kaiser and Hunley got a lot of playing time, and Kaiser was very unimpressive. And obviously, we don't want to jump to conclusions from an unpadded practice in OTAs with all the veterans gone this early in the process with a new quarterback. But it was a very unimpressive day for Kaiser. I went back and I broke down all of his tape from last year. The huge arm is there. The arm talent is there. Uh, his ability to escape in the pocket. He's tough. Uh, he can make big plays. There's a lot to like, but it's just incredibly inconsistent. And the turnovers and his ability to make uh, inability to make uh, quick decisions with the football, I think, are going to doom him. Hopefully he's a long-term prospect. He's, he, he has first-round talent. So if he can get there, there's some upside there. Uh, but I just feel like he's always going to be fool's gold. Never going to quite live up to the expectations. And I think if they're expecting him to be an upgrade over Hundley, I'm not sure they found that, at least not this year. Um, so trading a, uh, a starting caliber defensive back uh, for a backup caliber quarterback and, and a couple moves up in the fourth and fifth round uh, wasn't super intriguing to me. I would have liked maybe instead of Kaiser for them just to get a, a, an additional draft pick. Um, I know maybe the the Browns have, have been open to trading some other players. Maybe they could have uh, got Corey Coleman, uh, who was the receiver that, that didn't perform up to expectations the last couple of years. Maybe they could have got somebody like that instead. I just would have liked to see them maybe go in a different direction instead of Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, the third move I have on my worst moves list is the front office structure. Um, so I think, you know, while I really liked the Brian Gutekunst move as a whole, one of the things I really disliked is the fact that they did not give him control of the coaching staff. And I have to believe that that probably came as a little bit of a shock to Brian Gutekunst as well. Um, if you haven't had a chance, Aaron Nagler was able to do an interview with Brian Gutekunst earlier this offseason. Um, Aaron did a fantastic job. And one of the topics he broached was, you know, not having that power and, you could tell that that Brian Gutekunst was a little bit taken aback and, and maybe took some time to think about that. I don't think it was worth obviously not taking the GM position because of that. Uh, but this is very odd within the realm uh, of the National Football League almost always, unless it's the coach that also has GM powers. Uh, the, the GM has control over the coaching staff. There are instances, obviously, where the, the coach will have final say over the 53-man roster. But I just feel like this could lead to some, you know, kind of backstabbing, uh, you know, or, or, or tattletaling where uh, Brian Gutekunst goes to Mark Murphy because the coach isn't doing something the way that he would like. Or uh, Mike McCarthy goes to Mark Murphy and says that 
Uh, you know, Brian Gutekunst isn't getting the players that he likes. And instead of having that direct line of command, I feel like this could ultimately be an issue going forward in the future. I would have liked them to stay within the same structure. I have both Russ Ball and Mike McCarthy uh, report to Brian Gutekunst. And I think it's going to be something worth keeping an eye on going forward. Number two on my list here was failing to address the edge rusher position. This goes back a little bit. I thought Green Bay really aired uh, two years ago or last year in the draft, however you want to view it, uh, with not drafting TJ Watts. Um, that was something I was very adamant at uh, at the time that they should have done that. Um, they didn't address it really last year until the fourth round with uh, Vince Beagle, and they really didn't address it again this offseason. Um, even Clay Matthews went out of his way to say uh, that they needed more depth at the outside linebacker edge rusher position. And while I think it's very odd that he went out of his way to say that, especially with when he's in the last year of his contract and any fresh blood at the position could mean uh, his exit out of Green Bay. Um, I, I don't think he's wrong. You know, when you look at after Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, you've got Kyler Fackrell, Vince Beagle, Reggie Gilbert, Chris Odom. Uh, these are very uh, inexperienced or unproven players. I'm not a believer in Kyler Fackrell. Uh, I don't. I think he's a rotation and special teams player at the very best. I don't think he's ever going to be a replacement level starting caliber player. Uh, Vince Beagle showed a little bit last year, and I think there's uh, there's definitely something to Reggie Gilbert. He just has a knack for getting to the quarterback, and I'm really excited to watch him this season. But when you look at Nick Perry and you look at Clay Matthews, these are two people who have not consistently been able to make it through a full NFL season. And I've read a lot of great things and, and studied some of the tape on Mike Pettin's defense. And I think uh, one of the things that's kind of consistently and constantly said about Mike Pettin's defense is that he doesn't need, you know, great edge rushers to get to the quarterback. He'll, he'll use penetration from the inside. Obviously, Mo Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, and Mike Daniels will be a big part of that as well. Um, he'll use some, you know, some corner blitzes. He'll do a variety of different things. But at the end of the day, you really want to be able to get there with, uh, with four rushers and, and uh, with only Nick Perry and Clay Matthews who are off injured and and not always consistently getting to the quarterback. I think ad not addressing this position both for this year and more importantly long term. Again, this is Clay Matthews' last year of his contract. Um, Nick Perry, in a couple of years, you would ideally like to get out of that monstrous contract and get out of it a little bit early and not have to pay him that amount of money. You don't really have a player on this roster that's young and up and coming at the position. And I think that that's a major area of concern, again, especially with the durability issues that they've had there. So that was my second worst um, move of the offseason. I just really would have liked to see them address that a little bit more. Lastly, uh, on my worst moves list is uh, the inability to address the right side of the offensive line and maybe more specifically trying to fill that with, with Byron Bell. Um, let me start off by saying my uh, four of my worst graded players on the offensive line last year on a per play basis were Tua T, Jason Spriggs, Justin McRae, Brian Bulaga, and Kyle Murphy. So all players on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, my lowest graded player overall was Justin McRae. And as it would look right now, it would seem that Justin McCray is set up to start at right guard. Once Brian Bulaga gets back, obviously it's going to be his position at right tackle, but he's injured. And in the meantime, you're looking at uh, whether it be Kyle Murphy, Jason Spriggs, Byron Bell. These are not great alternatives. And, and Bulaga has been another player who's been off injured as well. And I just am really uh, concerned over the lack of depth and talent 
on the right side of the offensive line, especially when you consider how important Aaron Rodgers is to this offense and having a good right tackle is, is very important. This isn't a quick two to three step offense that unloads the ball quickly every play. This is a extended offense, which consistently extends plays. And the right tackle specifically needs to uh, be able to hold up and not allow immediate pressure. And Jason Spriggs has been horrible at that. He's allowed way too many mental lapses and defensive linemen to get quickly to the quarterback. Uh, Kyle Murphy has been incredibly inconsistent. And Brian Bulaga, even when uh, healthy, is coming off his worst year of his career. In his five games last year, I had him rated uh, in the negative in all five of those games. So again, whether it be long-term or this season specifically, uh, the inability to address that offensive line or just address it with Byron Bell. Byron Bell, by the way, um, of all the offensive linemen who played a single snap last year in the NFL as a whole, Pro Football Focus had Byron Bell rated as the fourth worst of every offensive lineman. I went back and watched the tape and I felt very similarly. This is not a guy that you want on the field I think there's always value in somebody who can come in and play pretty much every position across the offensive line and not panic, have some veteran experience. But, you know, so if he's in there and you need to use him on game days as a swing offensive line player, I get it. But giving 500,000 guaranteed in a one year, 1.7 million contract to a player like that um, and trying to fill the void with that type of player. To me, that was a big mistake, and that's something that they're going to have to address going forward because at this point, the the right side of the offensive line gives me uh, a lot of room for concern. Moving on to my five best moves of the offseason, and I'm I'm really excited about a lot of these. I'm going to start off at number five with the tight end position. Um, So Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, I'm not going to go into this in in too depth because uh, Dusty Evely and I just broke down the full tight end position in our positional preview uh, this last week. So go back and listen to that podcast for more on the tight ends. But this is obviously a position where Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff have really put a a ton of interest in. In the last three years, they've went out and signed Jared Cook, Lance Kendricks, Martellus Bennett, and now Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. So for for a, a team that doesn't spend a lot of money on free agents, they've invested a lot of money and resources into the tight end position over the course of the last three years. So this is definitely a position they've identified as one that really makes the offense a, a lot different. And now um, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis will be given the opportunity to kind of open up the offense, be the go-to targets over the middle for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think both of these are amazing red zone threats And I think they're really going to open up the field in a variety of different ways. And immediately uh, Lewis and Graham being on the field at the same time in a two tight end formation to me becomes the absolute best formation for the Packers, along with Cobb and Adams at receiver. And, and, you know, one of the running backs, probably preferably Montgomery or Jones uh, on the field, that becomes your best lineup. And um, I I think those tight ends are going to be able to change the way that Mike McCarthy runs things and having a dedicated pass catching tight end in Graham and a run blocking and pass blocking tight end in Lewis um, and having them complement each other so well is going to go a really long way. And again, I just think that really opens up the offense a lot. Number four on my list um, is kind of the uh, reverse of uh, one of my worst moves uh, with the the front office. And that's the hiring uh, here of Brian Gutekunst and being able to keep Russ Ball. Um, So that was number four on my list of best moves. 
obviously we're a long way away from being able to judge uh, Brian Gutekunst and whether or not this is a good hire. But I really like how they went about their business with everything. Uh, they really, you know, they obviously interviewed all of the candidates. They they uh, interviewed Doug Whaley, who was an external candidate. Uh, and I think the easy decision here would have been to go with Elliot Wolf. I think they could have made that decision. Or And, and the rumor for a while was that Russ Ball was the other one. Um, so to go out of their way to hire Brian Gutekunst, I have to have a strong feeling that they had a strong feeling about Brian Gutekunst. And I, I think that... Uh, again, that was probably the most difficult decision to make because he was the most unknown. So the f- the fact that they felt that strongly about him and were willing to give him the reins to the team, I think that says something. Um, I've been impressed with his press conferences. I've been impressed with his interviews. And I've been impressed uh, with his draft, which I'll get to in just a moment, and kind of how he's attacked this offseason. Yes, I would have liked to have seen him address the right side of the offensive line a little bit better. Same thing with edge rusher. Uh, but Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, not all of the issues could be addressed in one offseason. And overall, I thought he did a fantastic job of addressing uh, the team as a whole. And, and I think this is going to be a really good hire and a strong hire for Green Bay going forward. So that was number four on my list. Number three, uh, the signing of Tremont Williams. Um, before we even get into Tremont Williams as a player, the reason I love this move so much is Green Bay has invested a ton of resources into the cornerback position over the last two years. Uh, basically three first or second round picks, three top 45 picks, uh, including a top 20 pick into Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, uh, as well as Kevin King. Uh, you then have another group of young corners uh, behind that that are trying to make the team in uh, Herb Waters, Lindsey Pipkins, Josh Hawkins, even Quentin Rollins to an extent is another uh, high second round pick who's still younger. You have a lot of young, inexperienced corners on this team. And adding a Tremont Williams, who's going to be a veteran presence, who's known for watching a ton of film and, and being able to show all of these young high-end corners, exactly how to go about playing the position, preparing for games, preparing in training camp, doing the things that you're supposed to. If Tremont Williams doesn't play it down this year, I think this this signing is well worth it just for what he's going to be able to um, do in that locker room and, and provide as a veteran leader uh, for the rest of those young corners. But then you look at his film last year and you realize he was still playing at an incredibly high level in Arizona. He was playing opposite Patrick Peterson. He was getting a lot of balls thrown his way. He was a, a teaching tape on how to play off coverage. Um, I, I think he uh, you know, it specializes in that. I think he knows exactly how to play man off, press man to man, whatever you want him to play, he can play. But when you're playing off coverage, uh, he is just a technician, and he can absolutely put on a clinic on how to play off coverage. So uh, he's going to bring a veteran presence. He's going to play uh, as a uh, probably a starting corner and a, a huge integral role in this defense from day one. He knows Mike Patton's defense from his time in Cleveland. This is a, a no-brainer uh, home run signing for Brian Gutekunst. And again, his value that he's going to bring both on and off the field is so well worth it. And I probably could have put this even higher. That's how excited I am about this. Number two on my list is how Brian Gutekunst handled the top 50 of the draft this year. Most importantly, uh, being able to trade down and get the Saints first rounder from next year 
Uh, I can't even begin to explain how excited I am about that move to be able to get a unprotected first round pick. This isn't like the NBA where, uh, you know, you protect your first round picks and uh, you end up with a, you know, the 30th overall. And they, that ends up basically amounting to a role player. This, this could be, uh, you know, an injury away to Drew Brees uh, from being a, a top five pick. We've seen the NFC South basically switch top end teams almost every single year. And even if they end at six and nine, or seven and nine, six and 10, even eight and eight, somewhere around there, you're looking at another top 20 pick uh, in not including the first round pick that Green Bay will have next year. So to have two first round picks next year and then still get Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson to me, who are two first round caliber players. Uh, to me, Brian Gutekunst in the top 50 of the draft got two first round corners and a first round pick next year. And I can't say enough about how impressed I am in his first draft to be able to navigate the draft that way, get the quality of players at positions of need. He didn't reach. He was aggressive when he needed to be aggressive. He was able to trade down when he could trade down. He, he just maneuvered the draft beautifully. And I was incredibly impressed with uh, how he did in the, in the top 50 specifically of this draft. And I think ultimately getting Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, and a top uh, first rounder from the Saints next year is, is a huge coup and will go a long way to improving uh, what was kind of a, a uh, older roster and um, a, a roster that was in need of some young um, impressive talent that that top 50 is and uh, getting those two guys in the Saints first rounder is going to go a long way. Last but not least, my top move of the offseason, uh, getting the two new coordinators, obviously Mike Pettin as well as Joe Philbin. It was time. We all know it was time. I'm not shocking anyone with my number one on this list. Uh, Dom Capers defense was stale. It was predictable. The only thing that it was confusing was its own players. Uh, this isn't hot takey. This is uh, something that most fans have been seeing for years. And uh, now you're starting to hear some of the players say just how refreshing it is to have a defensive coordinator uh, who is able to make things simple, allow them to be aggressive. And you start hearing some of these whispers already of just how excited they are to have Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator on, on this team. You're going to see a fast, quick thinking, aggressive defense and uh, I think Packers fans are really going to come to enjoy the change on the defensive side of the football, maybe almost as much as the players themselves uh, being able to take the reins off and just go fly to the football a little bit. On the offensive side of the ball, I was kind of actually hoping for maybe a little bit of a change of pace, uh, maybe an offensive coordinator from a different type of system to be able to bring some fresh ideas. But one thing I'll say about Joe Philbin is that uh, he has always been kind of the check and balance that Mike McCarthy and the offense has needed. Um, I think he's going to bring a little bit more variety. And the thing that really sold me on this hire is when I heard McCarthy and Philbin say that they were going to tear down the entire playbook and, and rebuild it from scratch. Uh, this to me shows that they're looking for more innovation, looking for new ideas. Uh, they're, they're not looking for the same old, same old. They realized that the offense needed a lot of retooling. Uh, it was also stale. There's no two ways about it. Uh, their big plays that were getting uh, that they were getting in the past couple of years have been off, uh, you know, drawing players off sides uh, or uh, getting too many men on the field. You can't rely on big plays coming just from the other team making mistakes like that or or, or, or free plays in general. Uh, the the offense is in need of some new, fresh ideas, a new design. And uh, you know, Jimmy Graham this week mentioned that 
They have big plans for the running game in store. I hope that's the case. Uh, When Green Bay's been at its most effective, uh, they've been really effective out of the play-action game. And in order to have effective play-action, you have to be able to run the ball consistently. Um, So I'm hoping uh, for a a much more diverse offense and uh, offense and a defense as a a whole that's going to allow the players to play to their strengths. I'm very excited about these two new coordinators, and I think they're going to completely open up this offense. So that's all uh, for my top five uh, best and worst moves of the offseason. That kind of does it today for my topic. Uh, Join us again tomorrow. Uh, Andrew Murtag and Kyle Fellows will be breaking down the offensive side of the football and their predictions on who will make it uh, on the 53-man roster. Um, You can follow us again at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Uh, Please go out and download and subscribe to our podcast. Again, you can find us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, Overcast. Uh, You can also find us uh, on Cheesehead TV as well. Subscribe, comment, like, anything that you guys can do uh, in that regards helps us out a ton. We'd greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening. We're so incredibly excited to get this kicked off. And and thanks so much for listening to the Pack-A-Day podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside the four. Roger's shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! at the back. Yes! Touchdown, Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone! Rodgers from the 42 New York. Fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield. Scrambles right. Now winds up. Rainbows into the end zone. It is Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.